Hey listeners, welcome back to Geek Life, Pandamanga.com's very own podcast. This is episode 27, and we're just creeping up on that 30, aren't we, Joe? <laughs> nice. Pushing. Pushing, Pushing 30. <laughs> right, exactly. This week's subject is movies, and so of course, with us, we have the Winchester. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> and as always, my vicious co-host, Joe. JP. Hi. I'm your co-host. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, the Brian is crazy, stupid, ridiculous, sick right now. However, he has got a little trick up his sleeve. He managed to put together a soundboard of himself <laughs> and, and sent it to me. So, so here's the Brian's intro here. I'm the Brian, and I approve these pre-recorded responses. <laughs> it's like having your own crappy voice automated system in the palm of your own hands. Starring me, the Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so, essentially, I get to pretend that Brian's here. So, so if you guys have questions for Brian, <laughs> correct them to <laughs> And I, I, I should be able to at least answer in affirmative or in, uh, you know, disagreement. So, And then back again, we have Pinku. Bonjour. <laughs> and then Neuro. Hello. All right. So, today's topics... We're going to talk movies, but of course, uh, as has been our tradition most recently, is we're going to get into a comic review first. But as always, first, a little housekeeping. So first up on housekeeping, I just wanted to reiterate something we put out on the blog a little while ago, this past, well, I guess, last week at the time of this release. We have kind of collectively been sick and screwed up, uh, especially Brian and I, who are um, really the main guys behind updating the website and you know keeping it going. You know, there's lots of people that work on the content that we do, but as far as actually getting it published and going, that's definitely kind of falls on Brian and my yeah, shoulders. It's you. The last yeah. mile. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so, unfortunately, both Brian and I have been alternately sick and having to recuperate from surgery. Hmm. And uh, I must say, I forgot how much surgery completely kicks your ass. And it has gotten in the way of releases, has, we've had to, you know, postpone, cancel, just push back and... It's been kind of a nightmare, unfortunately, to be completely honest. But we have gathered our ourselves back up off the floor and made a excellent plan to get back on track. So essentially what we're doing to give ourselves a little buffer time, catch up with some content that's been piling up while we've been sick in bed, and get back on track and have our regular releases at our regularly scheduled times and keep you guys overflowing with the geeky content. The plan is we're going to be freezing all of the comic, specifically comic releases, until the 10th of December. The reason we chose the 10th of December, it's about two weeks out from the original posting of that uh, that blog post, so it gives us two weeks to kind of get back on our feet, and that is a week that is not a release for the podcast, it is a release for Dinner and Dragons, so we get kind of a double whammy and get back on track. We've missed a couple monks and a couple Dinner and Dragons, and it's, uh, it's you know, very, very sad, but we are going to get back on track and continue to provide you guys with all the fun stuff that we do. And hopefully move forward and get Aram and all of his exciting stuff from Mandatory Roller Coaster up on the site soon and expand into other things. Yeah, I'm really excited to start getting Aram stuff on. Absolutely. We, we've been talking about that. We really want to get more comic stuff up there. We've been getting kind of sidetracked, honestly, with some of the event stuff. As fun as it is, we need to kind of refocus and get back on, mm. on onto the comics train. So, but Game season's over. Game season's over. That is incredibly fun, but also very time-consuming and super, oh, yeah. super exhausting. <laughs> Yeah. For those of you who don't know, we've been doing some midnight releases, hosting midnight releases at the local GameStop. We've hooked up again with our forever friends, 
AirPlus recordings and uh, get uh, originally it was just Tiger Paw, but eventually it ended up being Tiger Paw and Slowly Moving Lips and Step Bit. We just had a freaking party out in front of GameStop. And it was great. Had a good time. We donated a game and came up with some fun stuff for people to do costume contests and Call of Duty contests. And it's a bunch of fun, but really time consuming and yeah, <laughs> exhausting. It's, and It's a long night. It's a long night. Well, because, you know, it's typically on Monday night. And so it uh -huh. starts at the end of the first day of your week. <laughs> <laughs> and your day doesn't typically end until about one or two over there. And then inevitably, we're all still so wired that we want to go get dinner and hang out and talk about it. You know, and originally I was planning like, oh, I know, I'll just, uh, I'll bring the game home and play for an hour and do like an early impressions thing and put it up there and no. <laughs> That's too much. I'll do it the next day, if at all. That's too much. It's so uh -huh. exhausting. You're, we're so done by the end of that night. You know, and this is with the help of like six or seven people. So it's, oh yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> crazy. But so anyway, getting back on track. Uh, you can trust that we'll get back uh, back in the swing of things. You know, I know that it's, I guess it's just kind of part of the growing pains of, of having a website. You know, you, you try and hit everything and life gets in the way sometimes. And I think it's, it's really about getting back up and pushing forward and not getting stuck in that rut. Mm. You know, because a release schedule can be really a, high, a lot of high pressure. And, you know, it's easy to get down on yourself missing the releases I know I have. But I've been thinking about it a lot and I'm just glad to get back on the saddle. So. Yeah, and it's the holidays too, so everyone's schedule's a little more strained. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, don't Jeez. remind me. Holidays are rough in so many ways. So, mm. yeah. Especially... Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with what that person just said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to keep the Brian alive. So. Also on our docket, we might be making it out to this winter SatCon on December 9th. That's this coming Sunday. Uh, lots of cool stuff gonna be there. Satcon's always a bunch of fun. Oh yeah, great people, always good turnout, lots of fun. But Ernie Hudson's gonna be there. James O'Barr, creator of The Crow, oh, is yeah. gonna be there. Oh, wow. So awesome. He's doing commissions. What? <laughs> yeah, that's how, like the reason to go right there. Yeah, we how often? It's like five bucks at the door. At least that's what it was last time. Yeah, come on. <laughs> but how how often are you gonna get to one talk to the guy who created the crow and two have him draw your face on the crow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that will be really amazing. You know, again, it's, it's a kind of in the holiday season. Anything in December is really up in the air. But we will endeavor to be there. Whether or not we're there in the press capacity, I'm not really sure. But if we're there at all, we'll definitely be in our PM shirts. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So if you guys see people running around with PM shirts, whether we're just hanging out and buying stuff and being geeky or whether we're, you know, putting microphones in people's faces, hopefully we'll be able to make it out on the 9th this coming Sunday. So, But come say hello any either way. Yeah, come say hello either way. Go to SACCON either way. It's, it's oh, yeah. totally great. You want to support the Sacramento Convention. Sacramento comics and art scene and just geek scene is is bumping and mm -hmm. it's it's a good place to be you know and it's kind of the epicenter I mean, it's, it's kind of a hub you know there's lots of stuff around there it's not really more than an hour away for a lot of people and it's worth going to steve blue <laughs> <laughs> people are so excited about steve voice blue. of amon from legend of korra wolverine and the x-men spike from cowboy bebop mugen from samurai champlu come on you know, I have the hardest time, I must admit, I have the hardest time with the idea of American voice actors that are overdubbing Japanese cartoons being celebrities that just, for some reason, just doesn't make sense to me. I understand that they're really good, and I understand that they are the voice of these characters to a lot of people, but back in the day, when you had to <laughs> like get fan subs on VHS from eBay is pretty much the only way you could get most of the Japanese animation out there, Right. it, it is... 
you know, back then, anything that came over here that was dubbed was miserably dubbed. And so very quickly, anybody that was interested in Japanese cartoons was like, I'm not going to do the dub thing. And they just exclusively watched subs. And, you know, eventually, if you watch enough subtitle stuff, you pick up enough words here and there that it's not anywhere near as difficult as watching a really, truly foreign language. There's a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, especially in a series like something like Ranma One Half. <laughs> there's so many repeated phrases, even. And pretty soon, you start to hear the beginning of something, you're like, I know what they're saying. I've read it a hundred times, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so it, it eventually, you get a relationship with those voice actors. Mm-hmm. And the Japanese voice acting has always been top-notch. Always. Ever yeah. since I can remember. It's yeah. the, I mean, they are absolutely celebrities in Japan. And they were even way before voice actors, at least voice actors, overdubbing Japanese animation yeah. were ever th- appreciated over here. I think it wasn't until Princess Mononoke that anyone actually cared, or any Americans actually cared who was doing the voices. Well, and what's interesting is that Princess Mononoke had a bunch of actual... Yeah, Gillian like Anderson, Billy Bob Thornton. Though yeah. Claire Danes' son, that was a little painful for me to hear. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's odd. But. It seems like all of a sudden, well, okay, our voice actors aren't working, so we're going to use actor actors. And, and it works okay, but at the end of the day, really, real voice actors are the best way. Somebody like Billy West, it's mm-hmm. like, come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, you can't touch this, you know? <laughs> but I will tell you what won me over with Steve Bloom. It was uh, actually watching him uh, going to his panel this year at Anime Expo. His personality was just so endearing and his willingness to just sort of cater to the fans who would go up and ask him questions like, oh, in the voice of this, could you answer this question for me? (laughs) That's awesome. He was so accommodating and so understanding that at the same time, we understand that he's a human being, but we know him as his roles. And Mm -hmm. that's where you get this cool video. Actually, I posted it to my Tumblr account. And it went viral, this one of him as a mon just saying all these internet memes based on Korra. So he said, I'm, I'm on a boat. And if you watch Legend of Korra, or if you watch the finale of Legend of Korra, you know just how horrible that line is. And so, you know, honestly, I'm a fan. He won me over. I may uh, appreciate, you know, the uh, Japanese version of Cowboy Bebop, but I accept his performance. It's oh, great. Yeah, no, yeah. I, in, in no way am I saying that I don't think that the American voice actors are valid. I think oh, voice right. acting as a field is excellent and something that I re- appreciate in a great deal, have a huge amount of respect for. It's just a habit to not think twice about caring about American voice actors, specifically in regards to Japanese animation. And you're right, too. Nero's been trying to jump in so... Okay. Um, and to add on to that, I think uh, what John was saying about the American dubs being so bad, there's there's really a handful of American dubs that are good. I think uh, well, El Hazard is one of the classic dubs that you There's a handful of to. ones that are good well, from like I 10 years think ago. There's, now there's they're mostly quote, pretty good, right? The, yeah, well, I think there's quote good and there's iconic. And yeah. El Hazard is one of those ones. Like some of the deliveries of the, the delivery of some of those lines from El Hazard, like where Makoto goes, yeah, like cantaloupes. <laughs> Oh, horrible, but hilarious because yes. it's horrible. But it's all about Golden Boy, as far as I'm concerned. The Golden Boy, but the, I, oh yes, yeah. <laughs> but bring it back to Steve Bloom, um, his Cowboy Bebop, I think, did a pretty good job. Oh yeah, yeah. American Dub, and that's why he transition. gets more credit than he wasn't mm-hmm. trying to be the Japanese Spike. He was just doing Spike in another language, and I think that's what helped. Definitely, yeah. pretty interesting. But so again, all kinds of really excellent, really high level voice actors coming to our local, you know, comic convention. Very exciting. So check it out. You know, SatCon, 9th of December. Hopefully we'll see you guys there. Does Brian have anything to say? I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to disagree with what that person just said. (laughs) Evidently not. Okay, well, (laughs) I guess that's it for housekeeping. Let's move on to our comic review of the day. 
Next up, we'll be reviewing Three Ring Bound, an Ebon 07 adventure. Now, this is the second issue of the Three Ring Bound. I think it's out of five. Mm-hmm. The guys from Ebon 07, we really had a good conversation with at Stockton Con a while back. And just really good guys. We ran into them at the most recent SAC Con, and they hooked us up with the rest of what is still out. Obviously, five isn't out yet, I guess, but... Actually... Did they finish five yet? I don't know, but what, what anyway, they gave us what they had at the yeah. table very generously, and again, we're just loving the stuff. It's totally yeah. great. Really, and, really and totally, fun. we just stopped and said, oh, hey, guys, how you doing? How's the comedy? They're like, great. Oh, hey, here, have books. Well, actually, behind <laughs> the scenes, I had been talking to them on the computer also. Uh, so they posted something on their website saying, hey, Pandamanga did a review, and they gabbed about it for a while, and it's pretty fun. You know, check it out. And they linked to us, and our blog software ping-backed and was like, oh, hey, so-and-so did this. And so uh, I made sure to email them right away and said, hey, you know, really enjoyed your book. And if you're interested in, you know, sending us another one, you know, we'd be more than happy to do it. And before we ever really had a chance to continue that conversation, we happened to just run into them at the convention, yeah. which was just happy, you know, circumstances. See, you know. Here, here I thought it was totally unscripted, them just being <laughs> totally awesome. But... Well, you know, probably would have happened the same way either way. Oh, probably. We de- there's definitely been a little back and forth, um, you know, definitely thinking about trying to continue our relationship with uh, E. Bergen and, and uh, D. Bethel, yeah. both really the excellent minds behind Evan 07. We reviewed the first issue of Evan 07 a while mm. back. We really did. liked it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was you know, generally pretty high pretty high praise. I think it was like th- you know, three out of five, four out of five most of the time. I think I, was, I, think I liked it four out of five. Yeah. It's really good. In the independent scene, we see a lot of stuff, and the quality of the writing, the quality of the art, production value, all that is all over the place. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not. Sometimes one aspect of it is incredible, and the other aspects of it aren't. It's, it's really, it can be kind of all over the place. Yeah. And one thing about Ebon 07, again and again, is that for the most part, it's all very, you know, kind of even keel, high level and good. Yeah. You know, it's it's easy to follow, it's funny, there's lots of really quality frame pacing, negative space use, it doesn't ever feel congested, it's really rarely difficult to understand what's going on. There's none of those sort of tripping points that you run into so much in the independent comic scene when people are still trying to figure out how to tell the story. Just the raw ability of writing a story, drawing characters and backgrounds and whatnot, there's a whole other skill set of being able to make that into a visual storytelling that yeah. you know yeah. people struggle with. And these guys have got it figured out. Oh, yeah. You can get a degree in sequential art. Which I would love to do someday. <laughs> <laughs> if only we just had years of time and money and just could do whatever we want. Yeah. <laughs> be sweet. Well, even with degrees, there's, you know, a lot of yeah. work that falls short, so... Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's always neat to see people that are really doing an excellent job. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so we are here again promoting shamelessly Evan 07 and talking about the issue two of Three Ring Bound. So um, why don't we just kind of open the floor to comments? Originally, we'd kind of go around and see what each person thought, and we found that, that took a hojillion years to <laughs> finish. And so let's just kind of have just a, an open forum. Like, what, what would you guys like to talk about? You know, what do you want to say? Comments, concerns, all that sort of stuff. I think uh, Evan, the main character, really came out this issue. Uh, the first one, he was kind of a bumbling dork because, you know, just getting off right, of vacation. Right, and they made good solid fun of him being a bumbling dork, but that yeah. was definitely who he was. Yeah, but this time it goes back to uh, them at the was it ICA. The ICA Academy, yeah. The ICA Academy and shows him and Ninja Dan going through a great trial. And the way they both attacked it, you know, it was totally different directions they came at having to mop up after a dictator assassination who died on the pooper (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and the way evan did it and described why he did it i'm like whoa dude he's like a serious 
like janitor agent. <laughs> like I wouldn't really? have thought of that. Right, exactly. Wow, he was born to do this. <laughs> well, he's like the descendant of the guy who founded the ICA, yes. right? He's yes. like the chosen janitor <laughs> one. Yeah. I've read the next two, so I won't spoil it for you. But it gets good with him and. Uh, the able character. But. Awesome. Well, you know, I'm really looking forward to talking more about these guys, but I really feel like each individual issue deserves deserves a podcast to talk about. Oh, absolutely. You know, I don't want to burn through them all because, you know, not only do we, we like to spend time and really appreciate each one, but, you know, we don't mm-hmm. want to burn through all of our comics in a big fat hurry. We've got, you know, we've got a bunch, but we only have so much. And, mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to keep the comic reviews in the independent scene. Yeah. <laughs> so... And the the dodgeball scene. Oh man, the dodgeball scene! <laughs> yeah, totally expecting you know right off the bat, Evan to take one in the nose, but it that was good. One thing that was really interesting as I was reading through it, the character Anna Jacques. Oh, <laughs> um, so she, uh, you know, she she is working for the Smithsonian Institute of the rather unfortunate acronym, <laughs> but. Uh, Anyway, so she's working kind of for like a different organization that travels in the same realms as the Ebon guys. And unfortunately, you know, they, they apparently there's some, I guess perhaps because this is a ways into the Ebon 07 universe, we've missed a little bit about those guys and don't really know the history between the two different organizations. But apparently the ICA and uh, the Smithsonian um, group, they don't get along. No. Um, although it looks like they're going to begin to maybe start to collaborate towards the end of this issue. So Anna, she gets, or Anna or Anna, I don't know what it is. I'm just going to say Anna. So Anna, she she goes up and talks to some of the guys that she's with, you know, part of her, you know, her spy team mm-hmm. that are in this ridiculous van that has a big piece of paper on the back that says maintenance, <laughs> which is hilarious. But as soon as she starts talking to them, all of a sudden she gets a mustache. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, like... What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. At first, I was so afraid. Oh no, is she it's a, a guy. dude? <laughs> yeah, but then, but then it's like totally not made clear whether or not it's a dude. And so I was mm-hmm. beginning to think like, oh, this is somebody that you know, that, that they introduced in a previous story. Mm-hmm. They clearly have some history with the, the Smithsonian Institute guys, and so I was thinking maybe this is somebody they ran into, and he's under disguise as Anna. And when he talks to his people to like kind of give you a little hint, he's got his you know telltale like little mustache thing. But then I started all to realize that they all have mustaches. <laughs> and I'm beginning to think perhaps this is just part of what happens when you when you work for the Smithsonian Institute. All of a sudden you've well, got a mustache. Well, actually, in the uh, in the third issue when they recruit a bunch of students. They hand out mustaches. Oh, okay. All right. Oh. All right. Thank you for being here to clarify. See, that. they almost lost me at that point because I just kind of went, "What? Like, what is happening? <laughs> what so is it, this?" There's, there's got to be connection from previous stuff that we're missing yeah. out there. This again, again, this is something that they're not going out of their way to explain things that aren't necessary to the story mm-hmm. uh, that perhaps we wouldn't understand if we hadn't read the previous stuff. It's pretty graceful that they go out of their way to explain things that would be comic breaking you know if you hadn't read the previous stuff yeah. they'll explain things that you need to know for the story to move forward mm-hmm. but it's clear that there's a history here and kind of a, a rich culture that this comic has created of the characters and the world they live in and everything that it's it's funny but they're not going to tear yeah. down a joke by explaining it that's the yeah good. a lot uh like what you were talking about on the uh the machete order the review you did there how you can totally cut out the first episode of star wars and it makes almost no difference except for a couple of little things but if you're not really focused on those tiny details you can gloss by them and it doesn't change you'd the story know, at all yeah you yeah. never know the difference yeah that, well i think that for myself i really enjoyed this this issue i think that it's a it's a smooth transition uh moving the story forward and adds a little bit more intrigue yeah uh, it, it felt like there was a couple things that were kind of 
dropped on us that were big bombs that happened in a big hurry. Mm-hmm. You know, the relationship that Ninja Dan has with the uh, Justin Ninja, who works for the crazy professor guy. Yeah. Right, it's right. kind of like, oh, all right, there's some history there. And, and part of me wonders if there's ever been more said previously about that or whether it's this is just the first time that we're going to, you know, nah. that they've decided to follow that line of thinking and that storyline. Next two issues, it comes all out. Okay, cool. All right, good. So it's not just kind of like this random thing. No, and it's actually pretty badass. It sounds awesome. Ninja Dan's a great character. I really think that the dynamic between Eben and Dan is excellent. Yeah. Because they're clearly friends and they've got a lot of history, but there's just this constant childish, like, prodding (laughs) (laughs) that goes on. It shows, shows like, a natural comfortability with the characters. So. Pretty fun stuff. I really enjoyed this one. Continuing to enjoy Evan 07. It's really good. A little bit of character development, which Definitely. I thought was good. You know, mm-hmm. like I sort of mentioned, uh, the beginning of this book almost lost me. I sort of went, okay, mustaches, what is going on? Blah, 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 <laughs> God, I don't care. Oh, and but then, you know, they moved on to the dodgeball game and they moved on to the backstory of the hat. And I went, all right, cool. It's not just some random quirk they thought up. There's, you know, some thought behind why that hat is always there. Mm-hmm. Little details like that. I think the th- I think there's two things that stood out to me. There were two different panels where it wasn't real clear that it wasn't happening right then, that it wasn't sequentially what was going on next. Mm-hmm. I think one of them, Anna, was imagining in her mind that she wanted to like headbutt this guy who was flirting with her and uh, break his <laughs> nose. Right. And it made sense after you looked at it and you were like, well, that doesn't fit in the story because he's right next to her in the next panel, not broken and still being a douchebag. <laughs> so maybe she, she must have been imagining that. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of in this like slightly up and adjusted frame and it has this sort of a pink hue to it. And I just wish that there was something more like a cloud bubbly thought thing around mm. that, making it yeah. pretty clear that that was a thought. Or at least like a little vignette around the, the yeah, panel. Yeah, some, something. Like. There was some visual direction to communicate to me that mm. this is not actually happening, that it's, you well, know... I... Yeah, like the the pink hue, though, that was definitely like, this is rage fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. But, you know, a lot of the time you'll see when people are doing flashbacks or when a frame is meant to tell something that is sequentially not happening right next, but maybe happened previously or whatever, a lot of the time... Instead of having white backgrounds and black frame borders, sometimes they'll flip it and they'll have black background and white frame borders to kind of like totally yeah. turn it on its head to give a pretty dramatic visual of like, this is not in line with whatever, everything else that's going mm-hmm. on. This is a change. So I don't know. But, you know, honestly, for that to be my biggest complaint about the whole comic, that's not bad. <laughs> There's just a couple places, like I think that and then maybe one other place where... They did a flashback or something. I can't remember off the top of my head. Let me see. Ah, yes. The other page was the really pretty cool spread between Dan and Eben, where they're facing off before they start their dodgeball term, and it explains some of their history. The whole thing of their their final test at the ICA, Uh trying to deal with that dictator who... You know, died on the throne, as it were. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure whether they wanted me to read all the way across the page, back and forth, or if they wanted me to read vertically. Just the way the dialogue is set up, it, it becomes clear that they want you to read the left page all the way, and then the right page all the way. Hmm. But I almost feel, I wasn't quite sure what they want. Because, you know, when you do a full spread page like that, and there's no clear delineation, sometimes you're thinking, okay, I'm just going to just read all the way across. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. It, it, it is, um, it's uh, laid out like a two-page spread, because you have the pro- each character in profile on, on a separate page. And I think the only clue... Well, even the hat for Dan dips into the right page. Oh, right, yes. So. I think the only clue that you really have is the vicinity of the text, mm-hmm. where the captions are close enough where you sort of can't help but read the next right. one that's a completely adjacent next well, to Well, I naturally read it the way that they wanted me to. Right. But 
getting to the next page, there was a moment where I was like, wait, wait, wait should so I have read it? No, 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 I was right. You know what I mean? Mm. But, yeah, yeah, they yeah. both start with the, almost the same, a similar panel, mm. so you're like, wait, is this happening at the same time? Or, right, right, but right, exactly. when you get to the bottom of the first page, it's sort of the nearest caption after that is the bottom of the next page, but that's yeah. not necessarily where you're supposed to start reading. Well, mm-hmm. one technique I see in comics a lot with this kind of dilemma, they'll use the, the captions or actually overlap the panels and direct the storytelling that way. Mm-hmm. See, on the first page, they do that, but it kind of falls off on the second. Yeah, I think I bit. agree with you. Because we do that a lot, or my friend and I, when we make comics, we do that a lot, too, where we direct the eye to where we want them to go by mm-hmm. arranging the dialogue and the captions mm-hmm. in it's certain like ways. links in a chain. Right. right. Well, you know, something else that's really interesting they did on this page is uh, one of the ways, or I guess the teams they broke people up into in their test as well as on the dodgeball court, which is what brought up the history of the test, mm-hmm. was that it was the circles and the squares. And if you look at the panels on the pages, the side where it's Dan's team, which is the circles, all the panels are circles. Mm-hmm. And the other side, all of them are squares. And, and there's just like subtle visual stuff that I didn't even notice that the first time I read through, but when I was mm-hmm. thumbing through it again just before we you know, started reporting the podcast, I was like, oh, that's pretty <laughs> slick. Like, that's, that's, that's good thinking, you know? And yeah. it's cool because they have corresponding action in each panel because it's four panels on, on one page and four panels on the other page, and there's sort of like the counter, the balance It essentially to the shows you the panel. characters doing the same thing on each page, right. but, you know, in their own way. Yeah, very, it's very, yeah, very well laid out. Very, very cool book. Anybody else have anything else they wanted to say? No, no. I am dying to know what's going on with these guys. It seems like there was so much character development in this one that we didn't get to see a whole lot more about what's happening with the uh, the Jan specs, the janitors uh, <laughs> yes. specimens. And I'm like wanting to know Over what time. what the plan is with the Jan specs. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I'm looking forward to reviewing the next one. Perhaps looking forward to it so much that we may just do an Ebeno Seven marathon. <laughs> and just and just review the next couple issues, you know. And go back the to the old podcast. ones online and there everything. Oh, that'd be fun. The yeah. fact that would it would have a marathon dedicated on its own should just indicate what's a book you should read. Yeah, it's a yeah. book you should yeah. totally read. Hey, it's a it's it's something you should go read online. Well, so much of it is available completely for free. Not that I'm saying you shouldn't totally support Bergen and Bethel, but go check their stuff out. You got nothing to lose, and it's totally entertaining. I mean, jump in, jump in. I, I think that they have the very first. The very first storyline is up there as well. I don't think that the in-between things, like they've got the one that they're doing right now in its entirety so far is up, and then also the, the very, very first story of Evan 07 is available. But I think that the in-between stuff you have to get in book form, I think. Last mm-hmm. time I was there, that's what I saw anyway. But okay. but yeah, go check it out. Very cool stuff. So um, we want to go around and give our reviews out of five? Go for it. We'll start with Brian. Well, JP, since you're the boss and are in charge of the soundboard, what's my score for this comic going to be? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, well, Brian, I think that uh, I think that your score is going to be, you know, about a, about a three point five. I think that I think that you really liked it, but I also think that you <laughs> think that you wanted uh, a little more action um, because you know Brian likes you know you know action and he likes his pacing. ridiculousness. He likes boobs. All guys comics? like boobs. <laughs> Necesito. Sure, but you know some people. Did are you not get to see? The Planet of the Vampire Women? Were you not here for the Planet of the Vampire Women? She wasn't. Not. But I'm oh. going to go get that comic for you after this podcast so you can <laughs> right. see it. Uh oh. Well, we have a musical break coming uh, up. Oh, yes. So there let's, we go. Fi- let's finish those. Sorry about that. Sorry. Oh, let's God. finish up the rating. So, yeah, so is it, does that sound about right, Brian? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with what that person just said. Oh, very good, very good. Right. Okay, well, so Pinky, what was your thoughts? All right, my last score was a three issues, which, again, I like to reiterate, is really good for me because I'm highly critical and almost nothing will be perfect. So um, I still stand at three issues. Almost went down, but not quite. Joe? All right, well, seeing as I have now read four issues of Three Ring Bound, 
I, I gotta read the last one, so I think it's gonna get a five for me. Yeah, it just it just pulls you all the way in. Yeah, just wants to want to see what's gonna. Yeah, if it if it is available, this storyline is really engrossing. It's gonna take me all the way through it. Yeah, definitely good. That's a hell of a score. <laughs> okay, um, Winchester. I would probably give it like a three and a half, four, only because I literally like rushed to read the first two issues before we started recording the podcast. So I really don't feel I took it all in, Mm -hmm. but it was enough for me to go, you know, I would love to check that out. Yeah, to be fair, it's pretty meaty. Yeah. Even like the little details, like the circle and the square panels and stuff, like there's a lot of stuff like that. Uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just trying to get like an overall like feel for it before we started, but I really liked it and it really kind of pulled me in and I definitely want to go back and actually finish finish. it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I think that that I'll I'll go ahead and agree with Brian. I think that it's a a 3-5 for sure. (laughs) There are moments in this one where I was beginning to be like, "Uh uh-oh, they kind of fell off their horse there you know they had a really good pace they were going and it seemed to waver a little bit but right when i was thinking that they pulled me back in and yeah. you know what they the direction they were heading where i was beginning to question made sense and worked well and uh you know so yeah it's still still very good very skillful definitely very entertaining so solid solid three five so good scores all around yeah. oh yeah you know, again go check out evan07 at evan07.com that's eben07.com support e bergen and d bethel really really fine comic and look forward to seeing you guys at conventions coming up Oh, and you know what I found out? Hmm. E. Bergen's first name? Is Evan. Evan. <laughs> 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 I just want to bet D. Bethel's is Dan. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't tell us when we they were there. Wouldn't. They were like, nope, not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when it was on, it was on uh, Evan's business card, but uh-huh. like otherwise they wouldn't tell us. It's yeah. funny. So. Well, um, Evan was on um, the Junior and Leo show. Oh, yeah. Recently. So, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> they credited him as Evan. I'm like, ha, ah, ha, ha, somebody know. got you. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good show. We'll shamelessly pimp Junior's show. Junior, Bruce, and Leo Zuniga yeah. put together a very hilarious show that, that is really about kind of all things interesting and entertaining and fun over in Sacramento. They cover the sat comedy scene pretty thoroughly. Oh, I think yeah. satcomedyscene.com is Leo's website. Where oh, that's what okay. he's trying to work on and really have it be the center, the hub for all information, stand-up comedy in Sacramento. And it's a, it's a good website. And you know they're definitely very entertaining and good guys. We met Junior Bruce uh, back at Stockton Con. He was one of the first people yeah. we interviewed. And he danced circles around us. He's got so much... I had time on the mic, but he's that a good was man. so much fun yeah. when he turned the interview on to you. I know, right? <laughs> uh, we love those guys. So, yeah. yeah, so make sure to go check those guys out. But that's awesome. I didn't know that, that Evan was on there. I, I'm, I'm a little mm-hmm. bit backlogged, obviously. Oh, me too. In bed. But... Mostly, so I, you know, I've got lots of lots of podcasts to listen to. Way down my iPod soon. Andy. So why don't we go ahead and take a musical break? When we get back, we're going to get into the hilarity that will be our movie segment. Uh, I'll save the surprise for the subject matter when we get back. You're listening to Geek Life. We'll be right back.
Punchline, Panda Manga's very own podcast. Since I have no idea if or when this recording will be played, somebody jump in and tell the listeners what we're talking about. <laughs> well, Brian, as a matter of fact, we are talking about uh, subject of movies today, and we are talking about Lucasfilm and Lucas's incessant need to change things and re-release them and change things and re-release them. <laughs> Actually, Brian, this was your idea. Why don't you go ahead and explain it? So I got this idea while listening to the Dark Knight Rises review by this funny Tasmanian podcast called Cool Shite on the Tube. One of the guys on the podcast, just out of left field, said jokingly, Imagine if 20 years from now, Nolan goes back and gives his Batman trilogy the Lucas treatment. I thought, damn, that's brilliant. We need to do a whole segment on that. So we at Geek Life are giving the Back to the Future franchise the Lucas treatment, where we will suggest changes, be they scenes added, removed, or digitally altered, that good old Georgie would possibly make while creating the definitive version of Back to the Future. Well, pretty much reducing the overall quality of the franchise as a result. <laughs> so that's the idea. Brian, Brian and I were having lunch a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about, you know, okay, what's, what are we going to do next for the Movies Podcast? And, and on a very regular basis, the Movies Podcast is one of the more challenging ones to come up with a plan for, because, I don't know, it's, it's challenging, because movies are, are, they come and go so quickly, yeah. you know? You can't exactly make a podcast about a movie that came out last week because by the time it comes out the podcast comes out the week after nobody gives a shit you know unless it's a huge important movie you know like maybe what we'll do with The Hobbit yeah so I mean there's a couple that we did that with The Avengers we did that with a couple other things we we've used movies as springboards into talking about genres or a subject matter of some kind but often Often the movies, you know, just talking about a movie and reviewing it on the podcast, it's tricky. It's tricky because it's kind of a, it's a very time-sensitive, topical kind of thing to talk about movies on a podcast. And the way that our podcast release setup is, it doesn't really lend itself well to that sort of method. So, you know, we are left with coming up with creative and random crazy-ass things to do, much like the Bleach cast, which is still not listened to enough, I think. So go back <laughs> and listen to that because it's freaking hilarious. I think it was, like, what, 16 or something? Something like that. Something like that. Hilarious. Hilarious. Very much so. We, we hurt ourselves for that, and you should enjoy it. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. So, the, the plan today is basically to talk about what would Lucas do to Lucasize another franchise? And we were thinking about something that would, would fit nicely, and so we picked another trilogy, because really there's kind of two Star Wars trilogies, you know? The trilogy thing. And so we decided, well, Back to the Future. Back to the Future is <laughs> awesome. It's another one of those quintessential, beloved series of movies, and... I would imagine, similarly, would have a, a kind of an outcry of fans if somebody came back in and mucked around and changed things, yeah. even if they were well-meaning. So, <laughs> so what I did is I, I sent out a request to, for the podcast prep homework. That's right, we have homework. And said, okay, guys, come up, each of you, with at least two things that you think Lucas would do if he got his grubby mitts on the Back to the Future series. So we'll go around and talk about kind of the ideas that we had and and then I, I like to segue into a little something that we heard about the other day about the, for the Star Wars movies called the Machete Order. You can actually look up our Machete Order marathon review on reviews.pandamanga.com. You can just type in Machete to the search. It should be on the first page for at least another couple weeks. Yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, anyway, so first let's let's talk a little bit about kind of the things that, that Lucas has done over the years to the to the movies. <laughs> this is painful. <laughs> it is a little. It is a little painful. Yes. So I actually, in preparation for this, found a really excellent article on it. There's a lot of places that will put up certain changes from certain releases, but I had a very hard time finding the kind of one-stop shop for 
crazy Lucas bullshit. <laughs> and I found it on thegeektwins.com. It's not a clean URL, so I'm not going to read it out to you here, but we'll link to it in the show notes. But essentially, it is... Uh, want to see the full list of changes for the Star Wars films? And it is this epically long page... Holy cow. ...that is full of all of the changes <laughs> over the years. That's a Good. lot of scrolling you're God. doing there. And what's, what's hilarious about it, and what I think most of us didn't know, is that there were changes being made... Let's see here. Back in 77, some changes were made to A New Hope. Then in 80, again, a new change was made. And, uh, and there was a couple more changes made to Strikes Back in 80 as well. And then 81. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, there's been huh. tinkering going on. So on a from much day more one, level. basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's nothing it's been new, a work really. in progress. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it is very, very mild. And a lot of it's... Uh, and it, it often circles around releases of it um, uh-huh. to the public. So you're talking about the original VHS releases. You're talking about the, the Laserdisc releases. You're talking about the definitive box set type thing releases for all the different levels. And mm-hmm. They even change things from the... The DVD releases to releasing them in a pack when one of the new movies came. I mean, like, it's insane how many oh, yeah. changes. And now there's a couple more changes to the Blu ray box set that we were using for our Machete Marathon. One so, of the ones that really pissed me off was uh, what they did to Jedi after. Was it Revenge of the Sith? Oh, uh, was when it the No! That's famous. Oh, no. Um, You're talking Return of the Jedi? When they, yeah, uh, in Return of the Jedi at the very end when all of their. Spirit, on that was after Phantom. Phantom. Yeah, all. Was it only after Phantom? Only yes. after Phantom was Qui Gon and Little Anakin. No, uh, grown up Anakin. Yeah. Okay. Was, yeah. Well, there was, was one it? of them that had Qui Gon and Little Anakin. I'm pretty what? sure. I haven't seen. I haven't seen, sure I haven't seen the one great one. So right. I'm like, I do remember that. Maybe that was the one after Qui-Gon. Phantom, and then they they must have updated it after. Yeah. They did. The one that we saw recently on the Blu-ray box set that has just got all the most recent versions of it actually has adult Anakin, and it makes some sense. Dustin and I were doing the marathon together, and we would we would watch a couple movies, and whenever there was sort of a, a significant change that the Machete Order... I'll just explain what the Machete Order is real quick. Uh, a gentleman named Rod Hilton, who does the Absolutely No Machete Juggling blog, and I think it's nomachetejuggling.com. He's just kind of like a coding and geeky business, and just all, it's a really good blog. You should totally check it out. But anyway, Rod came up with an idea of how to introduce somebody to the Star Wars movies now that we have all six of them available to us and trying to think of a way that you could watch them, an order in which you could watch them that would be optimized. And there's been some interesting orders suggested over the years, but this one went viral like a year ago Mm -hmm. and has been bouncing around the internet for a while and we finally ran into it because Dustin and I listened or read uh, Control Alt Delete by Tim Buckley. Tim, he puts out a blog every so often and just talks about his life and his family and you know what he's doing with the comics and stuff and, and he said that he showed I think it was his wife. She had never really sat down and watched all of them before. Something like that. But anyway, basically, he, he was talking about trying to figure out the best way to present the movies and so what he did is he does it uh, with starts with four, goes to five, jumps back to two, three, and then goes to six. That's the machete order. It skips one entirely. I'm not going to get into it in detail. There is a giant article that Dustin and I put together along with, I think, three or four audio commentaries on it. Go check it out at reviews.pandamanga.com. We had a bunch of fun doing it. I put a link to Rod's blog on our page, and he must have got a ping back from us because he came and made a comment on the page, which was pretty exciting. So that's the machete order. So there's been changes all throughout, and what the, the most recent version that Dustin and I are watching for the Machete Order was the Blu-ray release, and in this one they had Anakin, you know, Anakin from Grown-ups Anakin. Yeah, grown-up grown Anakin, and I mean, the way that Anakin looked like in Episode Three at the very end of Jedi as a ghost, 
which we were kind of like, what? Because last time I saw it, they had changed that, and it was Qui-Gon. And I'm pretty sure it was Qui-Gon and Little Anakin. Huh. And now they changed it again to Adult Anakin. And we had this whole conversation, <laughs> Dustin and I. Yeah, right? We're, our heads are shaking. But we had this whole conversation, Dustin and I. I'm thinking like, wait, 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 wait. But Ben, old, he, they didn't change him to look like young Ben. Right. They yeah. made him look like old Ben because that's the way it's been. And so <laughs> that's I'm thinking, how like, he died. That's how he died. That's how he looked when he died. So, like, why isn't there either some kind of Darth Vader thing? Or in the original one, it was the actor who played Darth Vader under the... Yeah. You know, yeah. Right, so it's like, why wasn't it like that? And why did they feel like they had to make it younger Anakin? And then Dustin was like, well, I mean, if it was really how he died, like, he'd have, he'd be like Stubbs, man. He'd have, <laughs> he'd have like, you know, basically no arms and legs. He'd be, he'd be just, like, flip, rolling flip, around flip, on the step. ground. Yeah. He'd be the same height as Yoda. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we were thinking, like, well, you know, maybe the last time that, you know, he had an image that was anything human-looking was mm. when he was that way. I don't know, I... That was weird. So I guess just another in the just the epic, really huge list of modifications and changes that have been made. You know, who knows if Lucas was the mastermind behind every single change, but I would imagine that he at least was like, "Yeah, sure, go do that one for all of them." Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just it just it just gets to a just ridiculous level. Uh, and so that was kind of the idea for this one is to see what would he do in you know try and find some humorous crazy bullshit that we could imagine that would happen to another one of our beloved '80s franchises. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, what were you guys thinking for Back to the Future? Back to the Future. So, probably, I think in the first Back to the Future, Marty goes back in time, and there's a scene inside the cafe where I think he meets Biff for the first time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I believe Biff throws the punch first. So, might as well throw <laughs> Let's make Marty throw the punch first, because why not, right? Randomly switch it. It'll make Marty more of a badass and set him up for, you know, the win later on and show him why he's saying up to Biff, but... I think that would be my first Lucas change. And then it could create like a giant internet controversy and people could have freaking t-shirts. I saw a guy at my ch- at my local Chinese oh, place no, this no, afternoon no. that said, Han shot first. And it's just like, let it go. Let it go. Damage <laughs> <laughs> done. No, now I, I totally remember it now. He says, what's that behind you? And he throws the punch at Biff first. Oh, he does? So what they'll do is... Make uh, Biff punch first? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you just got to rework it and make it yeah. awkward. Or you can pan back and show the original thing and then... Oh my god. See, it's already <laughs> ambiguous, so let's mess it up some more. Let's just uh-huh. make it even more Yeah, some minute detail that probably really doesn't matter. We'll flip it around, so uh-huh. there's the internet controversy. All right, okay, let's let's, right. So, let's save your second one, and we'll come back around. Anybody else? So who's... Okay. All I could think of while watching Back to the Future Part 2 was Lucas would somehow throw some really awful alien musical number <laughs> into the middle of it. I just... Going back... I forget which one it was out of the special edition that had it. Was it... Return of the Jedi. It's bad. It's so bad that I almost fast forwarded. Yeah, I like that's all I could think of, and I could just see Marty like coming into like the '80s cafe, and then all of a sudden, you know, seeing that god awful like really bad CGI. (laughs) Going back and watching that Star Wars, I was like, holy crap! But that's all I could think of watching that, and then also the shark, the Jaws sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could see that being changed into what I don't know. But. Is it... Uh, into a wampa. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So which is the one that he goes into the future and sees his future self? That's, that's part two, right? Okay, that's what I thought. All right. So I think in two, that they would make it so that the family had an, a robot dog. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and, but it would have to be obnoxious. It, would, yes. it couldn't make, like, barking noises. It would have to say woof. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it would just kind of skitter around the house and nobody would notice it. 
But it would it would just be there, you know, <laughs> and just just to update it and make it, you know, like more believably futuristic. Oh, sure. Because it seems like that's one of the big things these days. Is like we're going to have robotics. Robotics is the future, you know. Right. right. And, and so I, I think that that was something that would have to happen. I mean, most of the ideas that I came up with were mostly about adding kind of needless extra busy activity of like not very good CG characters just kind of pittering and puttering around. See, I, that was something that I had thought about too. Not, not robot dog, but uh, Einstein the dog. I'm sure that if Lucas got a hold of it, Doc Brown would have made a collar for Einstein where he can talk. Oh my yeah. God. It's so true. That's what would happen. And just be in the background spouting nonsense. Babbling away. Yeah. God. Well, let's see. Does Brian have anything to say about this? If I were Lucas, I would be thinking along the lines of, well, since modern audiences can't handle things like terrorists, nuclear weapons, and Doc Brown's death, let's do this. The flux capacitor will now initially be powered by meteorites instead of weapons <laughs> These meteorites were given to Doc by aliens who, interestingly enough, look and act a lot like Gungans from the Star Wars films. <laughs> let's face it, folks. The Jar Jar Binks character really wasn't that bad. Disagree. And really needs to be given another chance by sci-fi Oh, Brian. Uh, so you know that scene where the terrorists rock up and shoot Doc while Marty escapes in the DeLorean? Yeah, let's change that to aliens come down from space and Marty freaks out and runs away with the DeLorean without Doc. When he gets back to his own time at the end of the film, he realizes that this was just a big misunderstanding and Doc was just going to introduce them to him. <laughs> this will allow George to go with his modern, as JP puts it, therefore aliens, while allowing him to add in CGI aliens to Back to the Future Part 2. It also gives Marty an unneeded added dimension to his character, where the reason that he can't seem to back down from any challenge when called a chicken is because deep down he's trying to convince himself that he's not a chicken, when in this version he actually is. <laughs> so uh, there that is. I think that he recorded the whole Gungan thing just because he's not here for us to harass him. <laughs> oh my god. That was one of the things I think was like the greatest takeaways of doing the machete order is that there was just so much less charger. <laughs> <laughs> one scene, right? Yeah, well, no, a couple scenes, but he he just because there's so many odd, just kind of weird, random aliens in the Star Wars universe, especially when they're on Coruscant, and it's just like freaking everybody there. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so you get used to seeing just kind of weird ass aliens and funny different positions and shapes and colors and stuff, talking strange languages, and and you just don't really feel the need to know more about them and all that, and really see the fleshed out information, and he just kind of fades into the background of just the random alien people. You know, I mean, he obviously has a little more to do with the main characters because he's in the chambers of the princess and all that sort of stuff. But it, he just—he doesn't. It's just just less of Jar Jar. I can remember. Do you remember Joe Cartoon from back in the day? Yeah. There was a Joe Cartoon spinoff where there was like Murder Jar Jar. It was a, it was like a flash game. And you could, yeah. You could, like you could do all kinds of terrible things to him, and one of them was like crush him with an ATAT. -AT. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Wow. I, you know, I hadn't thought about Joe Cartoon since until you mentioned it just now again. That's, oh my that's gosh. The good old days. The good old days. So anybody else have some crazy ideas, think they would, what would happen? Oh, well, I was, you know, it was interesting what Winchester mentioned about, you know, inappropriate musical scenes because there, there is the iconic Back to the Future musical scene where he goes out into this all-out 80s relevant guitar solo. So, I mean, <laughs> what would be the modern equivalent for that now? Some sort of horrible auto-tune monstrosity that he keeps uh, going on and goes, oh, you guys aren't ready for that. You know what? It's current and I'm not ready for it now, so. Probably do a hip-hop auto-tune, yeah, sounds about right. Either that or just start screaming a lot. <laughs> yeah. seems to be popular. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. you know, there you go. I mean, it's, it's you know, a little minor detail but it's something near and near to my heart, I suppose. No, the uh, the guy backstage is 
Hey, Justin, it's your cousin, Barry. Barry Beaver. (laughs) (laughs) I did have one horrific thought while watching it, is I could almost totally see Lucas trying to change the DeLorean. Right, uh, just overhauling well, it all together. It's done in CG, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. That's one thing for sure. The DeLorean would be done in CG. Anything yeah. they could do in CG, they would do in yeah. CG. Or, mm-hmm. And change the look of it all together. Oh, sure. Make it a hybrid. Yeah, exactly. Oh! <laughs> oh! Yes. It was a hybrid after the end of the first one. No, <laughs> the engine still ran on gasoline. That's why he couldn't get back. Oh. Those are such good movies. They really are. Those now. Any other crazy ideas, you guys? What do you think? Well, I thought if Michael Bay got a hold of it, <laughs> oh, God. explosions instead of just a trail of fire from the wheels, there's <laughs> <laughs> a trail of explosions. Time explosions. They're not regular explosions. Like the buildings blowing up for no reason right. behind it. Time and space explosions there you where go. you just have like I don't know nebula like, and like dinosaurs and popping out, mushroom <laughs> dinosaurs, mushroom clouds, nebula, and I don't even know. Uh, so funny. <laughs> what would about Back to the Future 3? Would he just put like CG Indians everywhere fighting Hot in the background? <laughs> what he would do is he, he would be like, there's not enough commotion in the city. We're going to add fake people. Let's have some people in the office dress up. That's what they did for Moss Eisley. Yeah. Oh, they had a bunch of people from Lucasfilm and <laughs> basically like family members of the people that worked there. They dressed them up and they had them walk around on a blue screen and they superimposed them on the screen so that there was mm-hmm. more commotion because it just... With enough people, yeah, made more people. My bad. Well, they yeah. add more digital tumbleweed too. Yeah, the like they put one sand street. People out in the mountains. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> cross franchising, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like exactly. the one street town's gonna have like nine cross streets. <laughs> See, there'd have to be some kind of a deleted scene that he brings back and then populates with CG characters, like that awful oh, Jabba scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which one do you think that we have a deleted scene for? Uh, so the the one deleted scene I remember is uh, Mad Dog out camping, and uh, him and his gang are about to go rob the train, and the sheriff shows up and basically tells him, "Get your ass back to town, or I'm gonna shoot you right here." So there you go, <laughs> Mad Dog be replaced by a CGI giant drooling dog. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that makes sense. It's mm-hmm. part of his alien powers. Right. Exactly. Alien powers, exactly. Because they're for aliens. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, this is really painful to sit through. <laughs> just thinking about it. I'm oh, just... my God. It's just, you know, there's just so many terrible things. The, the, thing, the thing of it is, is that it seems like less than there being just hilariously bad changes, it's just a lot of changes that's just like, why? Yeah. You know? And then there's even more changes that are just like, oh. Really? It's just, it's enough detail to, to dilute from like any kind of cohesive narrative, and that's yeah. really what the big issue is. T- Don't distract me. Well, there's some pacing problems <clears throat> in the movies. You get back into, you know, watching the, the added scenes and the, you know, the special editions and mm-hmm. stuff of the Star Wars movies, and like that Java scene, it's uh, too freaking long. It's yeah. super long. No freaking, I mean, I can admit that it maybe was a little bit short, like the dancing scene when they're, you know, because mm-hmm. it seemed kind of like you didn't get enough chance to figure out who this character was that was got to get tossed in the pit and mm-hmm. kind of introduce the rancor. But, dude, like, it just dragged, dragged, and dragged. Oh, it's, it's, like just, it, it's meandering. It's this inability to see the forest for the trees. 
It's just insane. Mm-hmm. It's just insane. And that's I really, I think that's really what the major problem is. Even if you could look at it from a nerd standpoint and go, well, he changed this, you know, and, and canon is like a Bible for nerds in a way. You don't <laughs> mess with canon. You don't mess with these details that are understood and uh, just overwhelmingly, you know, accepted. You can't retcon everything. Well, you know, the problem is, is that things move from originally being new and exciting and cutting edge and awesome to endearing and nostalgic to campy and fun. To you know, just like mm-hmm. it, something like Star Wars, just gets better with age, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not that it gets not. It's not that it stays relevant or is looks more relevant. It's that it gets it gets better with age. It's it's like the older it gets, the more ridiculous it is, the more silly it is. You know, I was watching you know Back to the Future one. It's just like look at what they're wearing, son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, it's just fun. It's fun to see the old stuff. Huh? I mean, I had the same experience. It's like, it had been a while since I actually sat down and watched all three of the Back to the Future films. And I was just like, I forgot how much I freaking loved these movies right. growing up. And I was just like, oh my God. And then just the whole like... Rock and roll and skateboard. Exactly. You know? right. Hoverboard. Like, air guitar in the future as we're all supposed to be doing in those cape-like things that they're wearing. Yes. And- 2012, oh. essentially. Or two, oh, I know something I think that he would double the length of the hoverboard race scene. Oh, yes. He would, like, make, like, a 3D Marty. <laughs> you know and that. And just, just make it longer than is absolutely reasonable. Mm. And make it, like, like epically ridiculous, you know? And, and I don't know, do, like, a fly-behind mm-hmm. and have it go up buildings and shit. Mm-hmm. And have those little tech joids, like, coming exactly. out fixing them. CG hoverboard with all these ridiculous embellishments for mm. no reason at all. Exactly. And, and then you could have Michael Bay come in and have him wherever <laughs> the, the board goes, he blows things up. It's got to break down at one point. Someone's got to come out and fix it. Mm-hmm. Property damage. One of the biggest atrocities I could imagine him doing, changing the ZZ Top song. Yes. In the third one. No. Yeah. No, terrible. I still crack up when they spin the guitars yeah. and yes. he spins the drum and they go back to playing. Uh, Some emo band instead. <laughs> whatever rock movement is in right now, I don't even know. Well, what's funny is that somehow... Going back to that singing scene, the extended awful singing scene, <laughs> horrible, so lunch, bad. Like, super long lips monster thing, <laughs> and it, it, it somehow didn't feel as bad back when they first did it as it does now. Yeah, it has not aged well. No, and no. I'm not even talking CG because CG just doesn't age well. It never no, ages no. well. But no. but even the song didn't age well. Oh no! I remember I... feeling like, wow, this song doesn't feel like it fits in the story. We're in the universe. Uh, we're in the universe, and, and now it like really, it like really doesn't Sore fit. Thumb. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with what that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, Ryan. Uh, you could etify it too. You know, uh, the radiation. You know, the plutonium could be too deadly, so we're gonna change it to fuel cells. Stop oh, it! It's just so many, so many bad, so many bad <laughs> things. Can, can we just, just like have a petition to just not let directors go back and tinker. Mm. I understand the draw. That was a South Park episode. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Where, mm-hmm. uh, Actually, two of them. Yeah. Or they were, the kids were having to save uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Uh-huh. They, right. The rape thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. The, the rape scene and the suing and the legislation, everybody hugging and crying at the end. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's exactly how we all feel, I think. It is exactly how we all feel. It's terrible. It's, it should be outlawed, I really think. Well, I, mm-hmm. I think there's just so many creative minds in Hollywood, everyone puts their mark on a property, and it's hard to get everyone on board to leave it untarnished and with the original yeah. vision. Well, well, I can understand that. Take, for example, if you're working on like a poster picture or something like that. You're working on some kind of big, complicated picture. You draw it, you leave, you come back again, you see it with new eyes, maybe you tweak some things, maybe you leave, come back again, you know. Some things, especially big pieces... 
can take, you know, kind of several sittings and can be done over a couple days or a week or even longer. But you don't come back and touch something like five years later. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. just not good. You have changed. You, the way that you hold your pen, the way that you're, everything is different. You oh, know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it, you've grown. I mean, you've gotten better, but you don't bring more to the table. You just, anything you put down looks like it doesn't fit there. Yeah, and this is George Lucas. Who's going to edit George Lucas at this point and say, no, that, that's a bad idea. You shouldn't do that. I mean, yeah. who's going to say that? Exactly. Yeah. It's just... Well, I see it as a, just a pretty much a crafty way of getting nerd money because right. <laughs> as a nerd, you are a completionist almost by... No, to, definitely to a Collector fault. completionist. You have, yeah. every, you have to have well, every edition, every facet. You have to know everything and everything that happened behind the scenes and everything that didn't happen behind the scenes. Oh, right. It's like the first yeah. time Joe and I walked into the comic book shop and he was like, all right, so let's get some comic books. And I had, hadn't gotten comic books since I was a little kid and really only did Japanese comic books when I was in high school. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, I've, really, I've never really dug into, say, Batman. So where's Batman 1? Joe's like, nope. it doesn't work that way, Joe. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, like, no. oh, you know, so I'm thinking to myself, okay, fine. Obviously, I can't get an issue of Bat- the first Batman. It's got to be crazy expensive. But don't they have trade paperbacks or something? Don't they have, like, newer releases? That <laughs> I, can- I want to see all... That's the problem. It's like, I want to see all of it. <laughs> oh. I want all of it. Well, and it's just evil. <laughs> now we're in the post-New 52 era, so have oh, fun with that. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I I give up. I tried to get into it, and I, I like got over that hump and just got to place where I'm like, fuck it. Yeah. I'm just going to yeah. pick up comics and enjoy it, and then that's it. I'm not even going to worry about whether I'm missing something or if yeah. I, I don't even care. Yeah, you can't keep it on top of it. That's why I like no. their animated properties. You're, you're in, you're out, and you're kind of done after a while. You know what? At some point, the network's just going to you know, end the series, so it's it's closure. I need closure. As long as they finish it on a good note instead of like, no, you canceled, and then they got to go, but it's done. <laughs> and then do then do a movie. And right, kind of come end. back with a different writing staff because they moved on and it's, it's not, okay. I'm Wait, just, what are you guys I'm talking about? Because I'm writing on Family Guy now. Oh, okay. Well, you just described like you know the new Teen Titans series to me. Oh, really? So, yeah. yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Uh, oh, season five and suddenly movie. All right, cool. The shorts, which are great, they're all great. I love them all. But that, that's mm. totally what's happening. Mm. Futurama. I don't know, I think I like the new future. Well, the future on New oh, yeah. is not bad, but they have things like they've cranked up the sexuality just because it's on you know a Comedy Central and it's on I think later at night. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so it's it is different. But no, they canceled it. Did a couple of movies to kind of say, well, since we didn't get to end it, well, that was actually here's the thing movies. Is that they were testing the <laughs> movies were as a matter of fact testing the water to see right. if there was enough interest <laughs> to go make more yeah. because there was such a fan outcry, such a. Uh, a substantial amount of potential viewers mm-hmm. that they were like, well, okay, why don't we see if people will actually put their money where their mouth is and pick up some stuff. And so they got together and they made like, I think it was four movies. And if the sales hit a certain mark, they were like, all right. And luckily, thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was the DVD sales from the first four seasons and they built that, they structured the new season so they could break up those four movies into four individual episodes each so you could almost have a, a fifth season there. Exactly. Mm. So good. We're totally off topic. <laughs> I guess we just kind of segued off. <laughs> I have to admit, the segment didn't quite go the way I was planning. Brian and I think we're sort of expecting it to be all these explosive, crazy, funny things. But after having watched the LucasArts stuff, it's really just lots of disappointing changes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so much like, ah, that's ridiculous. It's like, no. <laughs> no, you're raping him. Yeah, but, you know, one point I really wanted to make if you're going to go through all the trouble of going in and going frame by frame and editing the entire goddamn series, just remake it. Exactly. Recast it. Do it all in one piece. Yeah. If people like it, they'll watch that one. Everyone else, 
is going to go back and watch the original. And that way, everyone that worked on the projects together in one place, you don't have any five years coming back. Yeah. I think that solves a lot of issues. You don't have this big hiccup, you know, the Jedi who trained me was Yoda. Or actually... Qui-Gon Jinn. Oh, I know. After watching them in that machete order, there is... Because it's, it's a unique thing, because you watch you watch uh, four and then five, then you go back and see two and three, and then you jump in to six, and there's a lot of stuff that you see in six that's like, no, that's not what happened. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? My understanding is that there was a lot of changes to the canon. Like, supposedly, a lot of the extended universe books and stuff were canon, yeah. and then they went back and they changed, and the Clone Wars were not clones. <laughs> or at least those kind of clones, anyway. It was a completely different. Yes. And it, it's it's like canon in Star Wars now is such a such a cluster. Yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous. Because of those three movies. Yeah, exactly. One of which is awful. <laughs> awful. And just gone. Yeah. yeah. It's gone now. So, yeah, I think that in our machete order thing, I, I suggested that you get the new Blu-ray box set because it's really great. But you take the first disc and you just break it, throw it in the trash. Mm. <laughs> that was a coaster, the first disc. That's that's the Star Wars coaster. So you don't mess up your coffee yeah. table. Good idea. Yeah. Good idea. Okay. While yeah. you're what crushing your canned drink in agony. <laughs> Actually, if you go to the machete order, and I'll, I'll put a link to the machete order in this show notes for this, as well as to. Something that also Rod links to in his original blog post is a link to, and I can't remember off the top of my head what it is, but it's a link to a particular set of forms. It's like the original trilogy or something like that. And essentially, it is a group of people that have gotten together and basically created the definitive original not f***ed with edition. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and they have of, the, of all three, and they're all like 720p, and they're supposed to be freaking awesome. That's cool. Yeah, they've created specific covers that are supposed to be for making your own DVDs or Blu-rays or whatever oh, for each one. And they have the title. It's the definitive fan edition or whatever. I have no idea how illegal that is. So <laughs> if it's illegal, I'm not recommending it. <laughs> wink, but wink, it's nudge, a, nudge. Yeah, it's a pretty cool idea to yeah. really have. I mean, but it, it is also sort of a sad commentary. Fans have to get together and put together what would be considered by real hardcore fans the definitive edition because the creator just couldn't keep his hands out of his original work. Couldn't be... Just let it be and move mm -hmm. on. It's like Lucas has never heard of the Dunn Manifesto, which is perfection is the enemy of completion. The Dunn Manifesto is a philosophy where you just laugh at perfection and just keep going and keep making more things. You move on in order to hone your craft rather than go back and just sit there and beat something to death. Well, I think the fans kept dragging him back to it, so he was forced to address it. And every time his pocketbook got a little low, he's like, "Either got to merchandise something out, or <laughs> yeah. and figure out another." Every way. time he like ran out of money for his money forward, or the coal pile was uh, too small, yeah, or <laughs> sell to Disney. Yeah. Well, and, and actually, I think that's why I have the smallest bit of hope of this whole seven, eight, nine thing is because he's only going to be a consultant. Mm -hmm. He has nothing to do with the scripts. And nothing to do with the directing. How perverse is it that we're like wanting Lucas to be removed from Star Wars? <laughs> well, I mean, considering you know how many decades it's been out, and I think at this point mm -hmm. we're just kind of all burnt. I'm burnt out well, by it. Oh, it was yeah. the shock of the delay from going from episode six to episode one. One was so bad. Two and three weren't that bad, but it was mm -hmm. the overflow of waiting for so long and mm -hmm. to be pissed on, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're still kind of bitter from that. Yeah. Well, yeah. And really, seeing what Disney's done with. The Marvel franchise. I'm not See, that Disney's worried. Done with yeah. everything. Yeah. Right. Disney is a powerhouse that continually yeah. puts out quality stuff. I mean, you may not like some of it, but 
I, I mean, I can't off the top of my head think of anything that Disney's ever done where I've been like, that was garbage. That yeah. was hot steaming garbage. Haunted Mansion. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they no. are remaking it, so I'm oh, excited. Okay. Maybe and some Guillermo yeah. del Toro's doing it. Oh, so. holy shit. Yeah. It's going to be terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe maybe pirate sequels. No, I, it's, uh, it's really sure. interesting, though, because of them. Yeah. Um, Personally, it's a it's a total personal thing. It's a total emotional thing. I hate Disney. I hate everything Disney. I will not give them money. Um, so then, there's no more Star a, Wars for you. No, we'll see. Well, here's a, well, see, here's the thing though. It's a personal philosophy, but at the same time, I feel like I still have to buy Ghibli movies, even though Disney owns the distribution rights to Ghibli movies. So every time I buy one, I feel like I'm kicking the little kid inside of me that just. Are you punching your baby? I have a face? deep <laughs> hatred for Disney. In fact, since childhood, and I can't. Completely explain why sometimes, but uh, when I was in kindergarten, I took a permanent marker and I wrote fuck Mickey Mouse <laughs> on my furniture. And I also faked to the adults like I didn't know what that word meant. It was, it's that deep. But at the, but now That's with that in, yeah, with that in mind, Disney's ownership of, of that franchise has actually made me optimistic for it because, mm-hmm. you know, at, hate the company all you want. Mm-hmm. Their track record is solid in terms of the quality of their work. Yeah. You can't argue with that Very no matter yeah. you hate them or exactly. You hate them, yeah. you don't hate them. They make good work. You yeah. can't deny that. Now the stuff they their studios create, it's meh who yeah. You have to be a, a Disney dork right. in order to really right. get into it. Right. But the stuff that they've picked up and mm-hmm. they've just been able to release, like let the creative teams who created it do it. They're gonna say, Okay, we've got lots of money, you've got an idea. Give you money to make your idea, and then we'll take some of the profit. As long as they don't get their their hands too deeply in the creative process. I haven't seen them. It doesn't seem no. like it's- I haven't like when they bought Marvel. I saw all these memes pop up of Spider Man with Mickey ears, <laughs> and just really awful shit. But it didn't happen. Like they yeah. did not touch the Avengers. They yeah. didn't touch. Anything. Disney's really undergone like a revolution or a renaissance even recently because they've acquired Pixar, they've acquired Marvel, now they've acquired Lucas. So they've really kind of changed their position. And I think uh, we're going to see a lot more better things out of them, especially now that Laster's back in charge of getting some of the 2D Mm -hmm. animation properties going again. The fact uh, that they have 2D animation properties again. Are they going to get back yeah. into 2D? I yeah. haven't heard about well, that. Well, the beginning of Record Ralph, there's a short called The Paper Man. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. It was that good. like there was a 3D element to that. Oh, definitely. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's sure a lot there's a filter. ambient light and that sort of thing and possibly, you know, cel-shaded 3D. But, you know, the presentation is overall 2D. It's, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. what there is didn't have to wear glasses to 2D animation for. that has been lost over the years. There's a charm to hand-drawn 2D animation that has really mm. been lost over the recent years. If I see... I'm so sick and tired of seeing our childhood cartoons turned into sloppy 3D kids shows with (laughs) actors that don't sound like the original guys anymore. It's just miserable. Somebody like Garfield and Friends. Uh, Oh, no. Have you seen the news? Yes. Why would I? It's it's brutal. It's brutal. I don't want to. uh, What was another one? Uh, The new... Hey, John. I want some lasagna. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's bad. Seriously? Yeah. It's bad. And I think another one they did that with was Scooby-Doo. Really? Scooby-Doo is 3D now. It's, it's bad. Barf. It's bad. It's bad. I mean, the only thing everyone tries just... to keep doing Shaggy though. That's like the one voice they keep holy. And so he's yeah. just some gangly hipster hippie, <laughs> he's and not he's got, got the yeah. uh, hiccup in his throat or whatever. Thanks for listening to our inane <laughs> ramblings, everybody. But yeah, definitely, definitely fun stuff. The Machete Order is I'm really excited about. We had a bunch of fun with that. Go check out the article or go. Find the article and find the link to Rod's original article. It is so worth it. I have to say, it has totally rekindled my love for Star Wars. I 
I was just, it was stagnant. It lost its luster. I was no longer interested. And then I watched the Machete Order, and it just brought me back. I love it again. It's just, it's amazing. And plus, it gives you another excuse to go watch the wonderful Star Wars trilogy again. <laughs> yeah, well, wonderful Star Wars 5 the G. Pentagy. Yeah, it's, it's freaking great. It rearranges things. It does. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of us out there have lost faith in Star Wars. And I, Oh, before we go, I wanted to bring up one thing. I believe it's on Netflix right now. And a lot of a lot of you guys, I'm sure, have Netflix. But it's, it's just a, it's a good documentary. I think it's The People vs. George Lucas. Yeah. That will illustrate a great deal of what we're talking about right now. It's a fascinating documentary about people going from, yay, George Lucas, to Georgie, no! <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just... Just, just madness. I anyway. bet there's a lot of Kevin Smith in there, isn't there? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think so. Oh, huh. But I don't know. Maybe I fell asleep for part of it because it was late, and I do that. It's an interesting documentary about this very subject, the people versus George Lucas. And I'm pretty confident that it's on Netflix. So you Netflix, sort of, you know, people who is mm-hmm. most people, go ahead and jump on there and check that out. It's worth worth a worth a watch. So anyway, well, thanks right. for thanks for hanging out with us, and uh, we will see you guys next time. Hopefully, we'll see you guys this weekend at SatCon. Good night! Good night! night. We're done! (laughs) Thanks for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. Music has been provided by Airplus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about Airplus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is The Brian, and we'll see you next time. Because they clearly have some history with the with the Smithsonian is with the Smith. Oh my God, <laughs> Smithsonian.